I V M. At the outset, I must emphasize the fact that the Army, Navy, and Air Force work as a team. The war in the East was one of movement, where our ground forces had to get to Dhaka as fast as possible, destroy or capture the Pakistani Army of Occupation, and liberate Bangladesh. That was Air Chief Marshal Lal giving an overview of the early days of the war in a Films Division documentary produced soon after the war. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the podcast Wars and Warriors. Brought to you by IVM Podcasts, and I'm your host, Air Vice Marshal Arjun Subramaniam. Let's catch up with the race to Dhaka. Before I tell you that, it's now time to take a break. And we're back. Welcome back to Wars and Warriors. The birth of Bangladesh and the collapse of the Pakistan Army in East Pakistan was not a planned one, but happened because of a series of operational events that unfolded with startling speed after the first week of fighting. The war had been on for three days, and I will take you to the banks of the River Meghna and River Surma, two tributaries of what the mighty River Brahmaputra is known as it flows through Bangladesh to meet the waters. Of the Bay of Bengal. It is here that our story begins today, of how two daring commanders, one from the Indian Army, and the other from the Indian Air Force, put together a series of innovative joint operations and caused the psychological disintegration of the Dhaka garrison. It was 6 December 1971, and much progress had been made in the joint battles that were taking place all over East Pakistan. Of all the corps advancing into East Pakistan, it was four corps which showed the maximum flair and produced the best operational momentum. Commanded by Lieutenant General Sagat Singh, and advancing into East Pakistan from the East Indian state of Tripura with three divisions, it faced tough resistance at Akhoda, Kumila, and Malvi Bazar, but managed to make significant inroads. Elsewhere. By 6 December, the Indian Air Force had achieved complete air superiority, as it had bombed and cratered Dhaka's Tezgaon military airfield with 500 kg bombs, and made it impossible for the Pakistani Air Force to operate their saber fighter jets. Surely, General Yahya Khan had erred by committing just one Pakistan Air Force fighter squadron to the east, famously remarking, "The war in the east will be won in the west." Once Dhaka airfield was out of action. Indian Air Force fighter squadrons were relentless in their strikes against railway stations, troop concentrations, and enemy transport columns. This is what one of the Indian Air Force squadron commanders recollects about those turbulent times. I took over command of number twenty-eight squadron at Tezpur, equipped with MiG twenty-one FL aircraft, in May nineteen seventy. I must reiterate that, in my assessment, the initial days of the air war in the East were as important as the last few days because of the impact which our bombing of Dhaka airfield had 
on the complete trajectory of the subsequent operations. If you are not put Tehilgaon airfield out of action, by 6 December, our entire sequence of ground operations would have slowed down. That was Wing Commander Bishnoi, who led several MiG-21 attacks over Dhaka. No one in Delhi had yet thought that Dhaka was reachable. But there was one man who believed that it was possible, and that was the hard-driving and whiskey-drinking Rajput, Lieutenant General Sagat Singh, the Corps Commander of Four Corps. Known to lead from the front in the pattern mold, Sagat was constantly on the move in his helicopter as he often braved fire to fly into combat zones, looking for weaknesses in the enemy's defences. He would then brainstorm with his divisional commanders on his next move. Soon his three divisions, 57 Mountain Division, 23 Division and 8 Mountain Division under Major Generals Ben Gonzalez, R.D. Hira and K.V. Krishnarao advanced rapidly and found themselves on the east bank of the rivers Meghna and Surma respectively, which offered immense protection to the major garrisons of Silet and Dhaka. This forced Sagat to search for innovative solutions to seriously threaten Dhaka and isolate Silet by the end of the first week of operations. Particularly important was that all his divisions had kept all the Pakistan army garrisons, such as the ones at Komila, Silet and Chittagong, bottled up, thus effectively preventing any forces from escaping northwards and southwards to reinforce the Dhaka garrison. Gazing at the vast expanse of the Meghna River that confronted him and realizing that the retreating Pakistan army had blown up a couple of vital bridges, he knew that if he wanted to be the first into Dhaka, he would have to come up with an out-of-the-box solution or else four corps would have few options left to threaten Dhaka. If there was a turning point in the trajectory of the lightning campaign, it was this moment. Lieutenant General Sagat Singh was without doubt the most aggressive operational commander on display during the lightning campaign. I would not be much off the mark if I were to rate him as the finest operational general in independent India. Endowed with an irreverent streak, Sagat's career took off during the liberation of Goa in December 1961, when he led the charge into Panjim as commander of the Indian Army's 50th Independent Parachute Brigade. Not a paratrooper initially, he did his first jumps only as a brigade commander and quickly established a reputation as an unconventional, innovative and fearless commander with a propensity to take calculated risks. He cemented his reputation six years later as the divisional commander of 17 Mountain Division in Sikkim when he refused to comply with the orders of a defensive corps commander who ordered him to vacate Nathula and then gave the Indian Army much to be proud of during the clash at Nathula and Chola with the Chinese in September 1967, where he gave the Chinese a bloody nose, fighting fire with fire. He can also be credited with launching of the first ever joint army-air operation, also called a Heliborn operation, in a counter-insurgency environment against the Mizo rebels in 1966. Along the way, he had also established a good equation with General Manekshaw, and despite being temperamental, Manekshaw chose him to command the largest corps that would go into operations in East Pakistan. Sagat did not disappoint his chief, 
and triggered the psychological collapse of the Pakistan army with his vertical envelopment strategies that took him to the gates of Dhaka. As Sagat Singh's four corps fought its way past some tough border defences during the hard-fought battles of Akhauda during the initial stages of the campaign, Sagat was at his omnipresent best as he flirted with danger and rallied his troops as they ran into tough opposition from a well-entrenched enemy. Lieutenant General Sagat Singh was an outstanding field commander. His lifetime experience of combat showed up brilliantly when the Pakistanis blew up the Meghna Bridge. While it shut Pakistani options, it kindled the creative flame in Sagat. For him, an opportunity beckoned. He had Dhaka in sight. He knew it was the strategic center of gravity, the focal point, although it was beyond his brief. At his intuitive best, he sensed all alternatives and decided on the brilliant operational maneuver of a dash to Dhaka. It involved the crossing of the Meghna River with an SHBO with four guards, commanded by an equally brilliant battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Himmat Singh, and supported by a daring Air Force commander, Group Captain Chandan Singh. Turning to his fellow Rajput, an IAF Helicopter Task Force Commander, Group Captain Chandan Singh, who later rose to the rank of Air Vice Marshal, Sagat remarked, Chandan, do what you have to do, but get me into Silet and across the Meghna River to put pressure on the Dhaka garrison. I want to be the first into Dhaka. If there was anyone in the IAF who could match Sagat's energy and his ability to convert operational ideas into outcomes, it was his fellow Rajput Chandan Singh. Commissioned as a fighter pilot, a serious accident on Spitfires during an emergency landing in 1949 almost wrote off Chandan's flying career. Determined to get back into a cockpit, he soon commenced flying transport aircraft such as Dakotas and then the C-119 packet before converting onto AN-12 just as Ladakh was flaring up in the early 1960s. Then squadron leader Chandan Singh led the airdropping missions over Ladakh to sustain forward posts and came back with his aircraft riddled with 19 bullet holes on the first day of the 1962 conflict. He then flew in tanks to Chushul airfield. Group Captain Chandan Singh was already a legend in the IAF's transport fleet when he was called on to perform extraordinary feats during the Lightning Campaign in December 1971. Setting up a helicopter task force at Kalashair, close to the operational headquarters of Four Corps, Chandan soon had a large complement of battle-proven Mi-4 helicopters from 110 and 105 helicopter units, along with a few Chetak scout helicopters. With these assets, Sagat and Chandan Singh then orchestrated the first ever large-scale heli-landed operations in independent India, as an entire battalion was landed on the outskirts of Silet and managed to keep over a brigade of Pakistani troops engaged for over a week, while other forces were making a run for Dhaka. Chandan himself flew a mission to Silet on the morning of 7 December to investigate reports from Indian Army intelligence that the Pakistan Army wanted to surrender. Met with a fusillade of machine gun fire and receiving several hits on his Mi-4 helicopter, Chandan reported back to Sagat that it was a trap. Reacting coolly, Sagat asked Chandan whether he could cross the Surma River and land a battalion under fire at Silet 
and seized the initiative by surprising two Pakistani brigades, which would be anticipating a larger conventional assault by several brigades. The rest is history, as 110 helicopter unit heli landed the 4th Battalion of the 5th Gorkha Rifle, commanded by Lieutenant Colonel Harolikar, under fire at the gates of Silet in a display of spectacular jointmanship. Supported by airstrikes by IAF fighters and kilo flight, the Gorkhas fought valiantly for over a week, preventing the Silet Brigade from moving south and reinforcing Dhaka, and also coercing it sufficiently to surrender on 16th December. So fierce was the fighting that the second-in-command of the battalion, Major Ian Cardozo, later a Major General, cut off his own leg after being wounded to prevent gangrene from setting in. Listen to Group Captain Chandan Singh describe the events of the first night of the Silat operation. My plan was that Mi-4 helicopters were to land at Kalora and Kalora helipad or helipads or the uh, uh, paddy fields were to be well lit for operations. However, Silat was to be lit up with only one small glim lamp and that glim lamp had to be sighted. Glim lamp was to be made unidirectional so that it could not be seen from the enemy on the north side and could only be seen by helicopters approaching from the south. We landed at Kalora. Six this time, another aircraft had joined us in. Six Mi-4s from Kalora and protective umbrella was given by these two choppers excellent. I was in one of the first choppers giving the protective umbrella, flying with Flight Lieutenant Singla, and we had a grand time in launching rockets from the helicopter on points where we could see the tracer of a machine gun fire emitting red. Total number of sorties flown by these protective aircraft which incidentally were not flown now this time by Bangladeshi pilots, but were flown by Flight Lieutenant Singla, who was in the Elwit. Singla was airborne practically whole night that night. He used to go, give the protective umbrella, and come back, refuel, and return immediately. He was more or less flying non-stop all night. Having executed phase one of his vertical envelopment strategy, which was, very simply put, using helicopters to leapfrog over enemy defences and land troops in an operational area, Sagat went on to execute phase two of the operation from 9th to 11th December. Emboldened by the success of the Silat operation, he urged Chandan to push his weary helicopter crew, who had flown non-stop for over 48 hours, to heliland several battalions of 57 and 23 divisions at multiple points across the wide and mighty Meghna River by 13th December. Four Guards was the second unit after the 4th Battalion of the 5th Gorkha Rifles to participate in the operation and came out with flying colours despite hardly any preparatory time for the operation. Here again, leading from the front emerged as a key force multiplier as Sagat and Chandan Singh insisted on carrying out the first recce of the proposed landing ground at Raipura in a Chetik helicopter. 
Flying into heavy ground fire, the co-pilot was shot through the leg and over 30 bullet hits were counted after the sortie. Thereafter, executing a series of crossings, the helicopter task force landed almost two brigades on the west bank of the Meghna in an operation that is termed as vertical envelope. By doing so, they cut off any possible reinforcement routes to Dhaka from the other garrisons and facilitated a multi-pronged advance that forced the surrender of Dhaka. Between 6th and 12th December, a 14-helicopter task force from three units, 105, 110 and one helicopter units of the Indian Air Force, had landed over 4,000 troops and most of their supporting equipment, including ammunition and light artillery guns, in three locations by flying around 350 sorties, including over 100 by night. Cooped up in fixed defences and anticipating an all-out assault from the rear, when they came to know of the multiple Heliborn operations, the Pakistani brigades dug in and were surprised when Sagat's Heliborn forces bypassed them and headed directly for Dhaka. Concurrently, a tank squadron of PT-76 tanks from 63 Lancers floated across the Meghna, hopping from island to island after its squadron commander, Major Shami Mehta, later Lieutenant General, had done a thorough recce of the river by helicopter the previous day. Mehta's squadron caught up by 13th December with four guards, the leading battalion from four corps, as Sagat's rampaging units raced to the outskirts of Dhaka by 14th December. General Mehta, affectionately called Shami, because of his glamorous looks that reminded everyone of the famous Bollywood star of yesteryears, Shammi Kapoor, is an ardent proponent of manoeuvre as an operational art and reckons that Sagat and Chandan embodied the sense of manoeuvre. He then ordered me to take my tanks across the Meghna and link up with the SHBO. I was a greenhorn and thank God for it. Greenhorns get smitten by commanders whose reputation and charisma settle for nothing but the best. My answer had to be a yes sir and so it was. The motivation and energy levels had been fired by the GOC. We then ingeniously found our way to cross the mighty Meghna. We did island hopping. The rest is history. The manoeuvre was not without risk. This meant on bypassing ground opposition much like an expanding torrent to create shock and awe in the mind of the enemy. As Shami Mehta's squadron of PT-76 tanks and other brigades from 4 Corps consolidated their positions before making the final run to Dhaka, Sagat was sure that he would be the first into Dhaka. But that was not to be. Not forgetting the Navy, in our next episode, we will embark on board the INS Vikrant, the Indian Navy's first aircraft carrier as it sailed north across the Bay of Bengal like a heavyweight boxer and played a critical role in blockading East Pakistan from the seas and also attacked airfields, shipping and Pakistan army formations in the Chittagong area, thus bottling them up and preventing any reinforcement of the capital Dhaka. This is how Commander P.D. Sharma, a Seahawk pilot, found himself on board the Vikrat. 1971, Bangladesh Liberation Operations were in the offing and here I was pushing a pen at Naval Headquarters when 3 Hatton Squadron was working up at Goa 
for their imminent deployment to Vikrant, expecting to move to North Bay of Bengal. Kind courtesy Chief of the Naval Staff, I joined the squadron helping with the workup as an air warfare instructor with three more from NHU, but not before I was given a regulation dual check in a Vampire 55 by Boss, the squadron commander. I had last flown 10 months earlier in December 1970. It has been 50 years since the event and I need to refer to my logbook to jog my memory. I embarked the Vikrant of Madras and took part in the squadron workup until 24th November as the ship sailed north to Vishakhapatnam. After a short stay there, she set course to Andamans and finally anchored off Port Cornwallis in North Andaman Island, where we stayed. Then the word came to attack targets in East Pakistan. We had 18 Seahawks and 18 pilots to fly them. I will be back next week with the last episode of the special podcast series to commemorate 50 years of India's stupendous victory in the East. Game over is what we will talk about. Till then, it is goodbye from wars and warriors.